been proposed as well, working alone or collaboratively, including Sir Walter Raleigh, John Dunn, Anne Waitley, Robert Cecil, John Florio, Sir Philip Sidney, the Earl of Southampton, Queen Elizabeth and King James. A complete list is pointless, for it would soon be outdated. During the time I've been working on this book, four more names have been put forward. The poet and courtier Fulk Greville, the Irish rebel William Nugent, the poet Amelia Lanier, of Jewish descent and thought by some to be the unnamed Dark Lady of the Sonnets, and Elizabethan diplomat Henry Neville. New candidates will almost surely be proposed in years to come. While the chapters that follow focus on Francis Bacon and the Earl of Oxford, whose candidacies are the best documented and most consequential, it's not because I believe that their claims are necessarily stronger than any of these others. An exhaustive account of all the candidates, including those already advanced and those waiting in the wings, would be both tedious and futile, and, for reasons that will soon become clear, Bacon and Oxford can be taken as representative. Much of what has been written about the authorship of Shakespeare's plays follows the contours of a detective story, which is not all that surprising, since the authorship question and the whodunit emerged at the same historical moment. Like all good detective fiction, the Shakespeare mystery can be solved only by determining what evidence is credible, retracing steps, and avoiding false leads. My own account in the pages that follow is no different. I've spent the past 25 years researching and teaching Shakespeare's works at Columbia University. For some, that automatically disqualifies me from writing fairly about the controversy on the grounds that my professional investments are so great that I cannot be objective. There are a few who have gone so far as to hint at a conspiracy at work among Shakespeare professors and institutions, with scholars paid off to suppress information that would undermine Shakespeare's claim. If so, somebody forgot to put my name on the list. My graduate school experience taught me to be sceptical of unexamined historical claims, even ones that other Shakespeareans took on faith. I'd wanted to write my doctoral dissertation on Shakespeare and the Jews, but was told that since there were no Jews in Shakespeare's England, there were no Jewish questions, and I should turn my attention elsewhere. I reluctantly did so, but years later, after a good deal of research, I learned that both claims were false. There was, in fact, a small community of Jews living in Elizabethan London, and many leading English writers at that time wrestled in their work with questions of Jewish difference in an effort to get a better grasp of what constituted English identity. That experience, and the book that grew out of it, taught me the value of revisiting truths universally acknowledged. There yet remains one subject walled off from serious study by Shakespeare scholarship, the authorship question. More than one fellow Shakespearean was disheartened to learn that I was committing my energies to it, as if somehow I was wasting my time and talent, or worse, at risk of going over to the dark side. I became increasingly interested in why this subject remains virtually taboo in academic circles, as well as in the consequences of this collective silence. One thing is certain, the decision by professors to all but ignore the authorship question hasn't made it disappear. If anything, more people are drawn to it than ever. And because prominent Shakespeareans, with the notable exceptions of Samuel Schoenbaum, Jonathan Bate, Marjorie Garber, Gary Taylor, Stanley Wells and Alan Nelson, have all but surrendered the field, general readers curious about the subject 
typically learn about it through the books and websites of those convinced that Shakespeare could never have written the plays. This was forcefully brought home not long ago when I met with a group of nine-year-olds at a local elementary school to talk about Shakespeare's poetry. When, toward the end of the class, I invited questions, a quiet boy on my left raised his hand and said, My brother told me that Shakespeare really didn't write Romeo and Juliet. Is that true? It was the kind of question I was used to hearing from undergraduates on the first day of a Shakespeare course or from audience members at popular lectures. But I hadn't expected the doubts about Shakespeare's authorship had filtered down to the fourth grade. Not long after, at the Bank Street Bookstore, the best children's bookstore in New York City, I ran into a colleague from the history department buying a stack of books for her twelve-year-old daughter. On the top of her pile was a young adult paperback by Elise Broach, Shakespeare's Secret, which I learned from those who worked at the store was a popular title. I bought a copy.